Goodbye, Captain Pike. Goodbye, my friends. My family. Welcome to Rediscovery, the Star Trek recap podcast which promises not to shave off its cool beard without warning when you're already having all the feelings. <laughs> I'm Science Officer Ben McKenzie, and as always, I'm joined by Captain Carla Donnelly. Captain, I need to ask you, what did you see happen to Discovery? It just went boom, Ben. Well, I am going to have plenty of feelings and questions, and they might go boom too, <laughs> as we discuss Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2, the big finale of Season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. There's no denying it's epic and emotionally satisfying on so many levels, but it leaves us with so many questions, and maybe it doesn't wrap up as many loose ends as it thinks it does. What? Yeah, we'll get to that, all right? But we start where we left off. The Section 31 fleet under controls... Um, control, has Discovery and Enterprise surrounded, and Captains Pike and Saru are sending their crews to battle stations. The plan remains the same. Get the new Red Angel suit working so Burnham can open a wormhole to the future, taking Discovery and the Sphere's advanced AI data far into the future out of Control's grasp. Enterprise and a fleet of hundreds of armed shuttles and repair craft will hold off the enemy until the suit is ready, and keep them from getting between Discovery and the wormhole, or following it through. That's all easier said than done, as Control Eland reveals he's not outnumbered. The Section 31 ships detach hundreds of tiny drone fighters. It's time for an epic space battle! There's lots of phases and explosions in space, and soon both <laughs> ships' bridges have fire, smoke, and bits of rocky debris all over them in true Star Trek things-are-serious fashion. Pew, pew, pew! Everyone is in on the fight, including Poe aboard a stolen shuttle. Aboard Discovery, Reno and Tilly race to meet the science team with the now-charged Time Crystal, catching up to them just as Stamets is impaled by debris from damage. In the shuttle bay, Spock powers up the suit and gets into a shuttle to guide Michael. Discovery drops her shields for a moment and the two head out to a safe distance to initiate the wormhole, a fleet of other shuttles providing cover. But while the shields are down, Control Leland beams aboard Discovery and enters the bridge, shooting the bridge crew before heading off to find the sphere data. But no one dies. Michael's vision isn't quite coming to pass. Michael and Spock land on some debris at a safe distance as a photon torpedo lodges in the Enterprise's saucer, another part of Michael's vision. Number one and Admiral Cornwell head to the torpedo to try and disarm it. Meanwhile, Discovery's shields are on the verge of being disabled and they won't last long without them or be able to go through the wormhole. Just as all looks grim, Tyler arrives with the cavalry, Lorel's massive cleave ship, plus a squadron of Baal fighters flown by Kelpians, including Saru's sister, Serana. What?! Michael can't get the suit to fly into the future, though, and realises it's because she needs to go back in time and set the red signals to prepare everything for this battle. Evolving the Kelpians into warriors, getting the time crystal, <laughs> recruiting Reno and Poe to make it work, and establishing a safe harbour in the future, Terralysium. Aboard Discovery, Giorgio and Nan team up for an epic fight with Leland, while Tilly takes Stamets to sickbay before heading off to fix the ship's shields. Hugh has returned to Discovery to be with Paul and puts his husband in a healing coma, promising they'll be together from now on as a family. At the same time aboard Enterprise, Number 1 and Admiral Cornwell discover the torpedo is 15 minutes from detonation and the closest blast door, which will prevent the blast from completely disabling the ship, is jammed open. Michael finishes programming her jumps and leaps into the past. In the incredibly psychedelic sequence that is possibly my favourite in Discovery thus far, mm. we see Michael make her five jumps as the Red Angel. We get to see her point of view, which doubles as a nice recap as she leaves her bursts all over the galaxy. On Discovery, Nan, Control Leland and Giorgio are fighting it out in a corridor that is sporadically losing gravity. The fight sequence is essentially unreal and bore many squeals of delight from me. We truly do not deserve Michelle Yeoh. Giorgio lures Control Leland into the Spore Drive lab. But why? Conwell and Number One are trying to no avail to deactivate the torpedo. Time is running out. 
Pike orders number one back to the bridge and he takes her place. Katrina Cornwell tells Pike that she can close the blast door manually from the inside. There's 90 seconds left and no other options. Pike tries to bargain with her, but they run out of time. Pike leaves and watches with utter dismay as the torpedo is detonated, Cornwell sacrificing her life for the Enterprise crew. Pike informs all hands that the Admiral has been lost. Michael returns from all of her jumps. Spock's shuttle is broken. He cannot return to Discovery and therefore cannot come to the future with Michael and the crew. In a tear-jerking scene, the two say their forever goodbyes. Michael, in older sister mode, counsels Spock to find that person who seems farthest from you and to accept those who reach out to him into his life. Michael promises Spock that the seventh signal will be for him to let him know that she's okay. They tell each other, I love you, before Spock is beamed to the Enterprise. In the lab, Giorgio lures Control Leland into the spore drive and magnetizes it, slowly splitting him apart nanobot by nanobot. In a show field of great screams, Alan Van Sprang's last time on camera was truly epic. We'll miss you, Leland. Okay, it's go time. Michael flies outwards to open up the wormhole, the crew saying goodbye to Pike and the Enterprise. A montage of Serana, Poe, Spock, Tyler had me blubbing like a baby. Discovery speeds towards the sixth signal, the guiding light to the wormhole, the crew facing towards their future. Cut to San Francisco. Tyler, number one, Pike and Spock are being officially interviewed individually by Starfleet. They all swear that Discovery exploded and Spock suggests to maintain the safety of the Federation that all reference to Discovery and her crew become wiped from the record and be punishable by treason if ever spoken of again. Tyler is officially promoted to commander of Section 31. The episode wraps with Spock's narration. Many months pass with no sign from Michael and the crew. Spock is reinstated onto Enterprise and we see him sparkly and clean-shaven in his blue science uniform on the bridge. It was a beautiful moment that passes the baton and also has sent our crew into the unknown future. Ben, are you excited that Discovery is cleaved from canon now and it's creating a new future for Star Trek? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm so happy that everybody, well, pretty pretty much everyone made it. I mean, obviously a lot of people died, but only one, like, you know, named character. They got off pretty lightly in that respect. I was sure lots of people were going to die. But I was also, like, so surprised that there was all these other people that were going that we didn't know about. Yeah, I was really surprised by that, too, because when she meets the bridge crew in the corridor in the previous episode, they're like, we're coming with you. And that's a big deal because it's like, this is a one-way trip into the future. We want to come with you because we're your family, we're your friends. And then there's all these other people. And I'm like, (laughs) what are you doing here? You didn't sign up for this. Like, you're supposed to be out there in a shuttle blowing shit up with lasers, not hanging out on Discovery. And the, the sick bay is full of people. The science lab is full of people. I know. Um, are they supposed to be going or are they just like casualties of war? Maybe like, they just Literally and figuratively. On. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't know. But because we know that Hugh came back on purpose. But what about everybody else in the medical bay? Yeah, I thought they were all supposed to be gone. But maybe the bridge crew was speaking on behalf of a large portion of the Discovery crew, because it's not clear how many... I mean, clearly all of the people who are piloting shuttles are not on Discovery, so they're not going. Right. But are they the only ones who left? Because you don't see any Discovery crew on the Enterprise at any point. Nobody's wearing Discovery uniforms. They're all wearing the new um, Enterprise-style uniforms. So, I guess... Who knows who's going? Yeah, and it doesn't make that... I, I mean, I was a bit confused, because the original plan was they were going to have Discovery fly through on remote, like, autopilot, right? But it would never have made it because it would have had the ship blown out of it by all of the Section 31 ships. So, they clearly needed a crew, but I thought it was just going to be that skeleton crew of just the people that we know. Right, and I thought they were all just going because they love Michael. Like, not just because they love Michael. Like, obviously, I and this is the thing that I really love about this, like, tying the whole theme of misfits and chosen family, you know, like... That actually, that move was one of the moves that made the most sense to me out of the whole Discovery storyline that they were all going to go with her. But oh, yeah. I was so still so surprised and heartened, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when, when I saw like the sick bait full of people, I was just like, yeah, what on. the fuck? What is going on? I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes sense they had that the doctor stayed because you're like, well, otherwise people are going to die. Mm. But where did all these people who were in the sick bay come from? <laughs> Yeah, so I was a bit surprised by that. It's questionable, but I guess that means that I, I guess we'll find out when they when we get to the other side in season three 
we'll find out how big a crew complement Discovery has and where they've really ended up because mm. it's we don't know about that either. They're not really sure. I mean, they kept talking in the last episode about how they weren't sure where they were going to end up. So yeah, I guess we'll find out. But well, also because um, Mama's suit didn't really work the, properly the first time. So um, and this is a copy of that one. So yeah. Yeah. And Michael, you know, is not an old hand, so to speak, at, at operating it. So let's see where they end up. Yeah, she just got that one YouTube video that she watched. <laughs> YouTube tutorial from her mum, how to fly a time travel suit. Dude, can we just get into like how I I don't want to keep harping on about the red bursts. But when does she I mean, obviously the seventh one is coming from the future. So does she you know that there's a point where they all bleep at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. When the fuck does that happen? We don't know. In this, the future. This is from what the I future. mean. This is this is what I mean when I said that I feel like they don't tie up all the loose ends in this episode. You think that's on purpose? No, I think it's not. I think they've just overlooked. I, I think they've just gone, we don't care. Because it was very emotionally satisfying. I want to say that up front. Like, I didn't get to the end of the episode and go, I'm so annoyed about these continuity errors that I can't enjoy this. Because uh-huh. it was very emotionally satisfying. Yeah. Um, I did feel like there's a lot of things that don't make sense about what happens in this episode. For number one, last episode, they very clearly established that the time crystal is overcharged. And once you make a jump with it, that's it. It's going to blow up. Mm. She makes, like, at least six jumps. Yeah. How the fuck did she do that? I mean, maybe you could argue that going 950 years into the future is a big jump that's going to blow it out. And maybe it's easier to go into the past or it's easier to only go back, like, you know, less than a year. Um, Because I don't know that we know exactly how long it's been between the bursts. I think it's, I think it's like six, it feels like about six months worth of time, Mm. Um, which isn't just because that's about... You know, that's, that's longer <laughs> That's longer than we've been watching the show. But it, but every now and then they do mention, like, that was months ago. And I think it's only, you know, it's relatively real time. It's like a few months have passed. So, maybe it's not a big deal to jump back a little bit in time. But they don't establish that. They say that you make one jump, that's it. That's all you got. And then mm. all of a sudden she's like, shit, I need to make five other jumps. But it's it can't be just five. Because, as you say, who goes back and does the coordinated, yeah. you know, seven bursts? Yeah. And she can't do it now because she doesn't know where the seventh one is going to come from. That's yeah. right. So, well, she must yeah. do it later. Which she's means, doing it from the future. Yeah, which means the thing must be working, right? Like, they must still find a way to repair it or something. I don't know. But then also, she makes more than one jump to each location because the burst happens and then vanishes. And then she goes back to the same place. Like, on the Hiawatha, there's the burst which leads them there. Mm. And then by the time they've got there and they've done all their stuff... um. She appears again to there's see so herself. Much, there's so much wonky about this. Also, like, where the fuck does the red burst come from? Well, yeah, they don't establish that either. What, what is that? That's a part of her suit. And did she watch, like, 16 other YouTube tutorials <laughs> to know how to use the advanced stuff in the suit? Because if it was her in the suit the whole time. This is the other thing. Is there's it, so much wrong with well, it. Well, remember when <laughs> remember when we were talking about the plan to trap the red angel? And they're like, well, she always shows up to save you. Yeah. It must be you. Yeah. And then it's not. It's her mum. Yeah. But. Um, and it works because her mum does show up to save her. But her mum is not the one who showed up previously to save her. I know. It was her. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And then also- When they showed that, I was like, what? What are you doing? Yeah. You're fucking it up, guys. And and also, yeah, she must. she's somehow learned to use the awesome advanced technology in the suit because it's also revealed she's the one who goes back to Kaminar at the end of that sequence to, and yeah. destroys all the bowel technology. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know how to do that? So, I think yeah. I think they thought this will tie everything up nicely. And you're like, no, it doesn't actually make sense, guys. There's always a bit of like, it's temporal shrugs emojis, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's still, there's still some gaps there, though. I don't know. But I tell you what they, I think they really got right. Yeah. Which was, that? I loved, I love where Spock's story ended. Like, really, that passing of the baton to him going now onto his adventures again on the Enterprise. Like, mm. and what they did with his character and like his development as a person and where he's now leaping off into where he goes into canon from now. I thought that was really awesome. What about you? Or did yeah. you think it was cheesy? No, I liked it. I did like it. Um, and I, there's that nice uh, book ending where the whole season begins with Michael talking about Spock and then ends with Spock talking about Michael, which is kind of a, a lovely symmetry there that's really nice. Mm. Um, but I I don't know. I, I also – her advice to him I, I felt was a bit on the nose. It was a bit – 
but sort of crammed in there. Well, I mean, I was, I, I just didn't know, like, I was listening to it and I actually didn't immediately go, oh, I understand what that means. I'm like, who the fuck are you talking about? Like, Kirk. who's the person farthest from you? Is he really? They're pretty I guess. polar opposite. Or is it Bones? Oh, well. <laughs> the Bones. I mean, they do have a very intimate relationship. He shares his Catron with him. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. Um, it, It's kind of both of them, but it's... It, it makes sense. I mean, they do become best friends later on. But it also, I don't know, I, I feel like this was not the moment for that. Like, I didn't want them. It felt a little bit like cheapening the friendship he has with Pike. There was quite a few things shoehorned in there. But I don't think it really did because I, I've said it before. I think it really sets up why he was so, like, crazily devoted to Pike. Like, mm. in a, like, almost crazy romantic way you know for everything that t- to happen in that episode which is just so out of character for everything else that he does you know um i thought it did a good good way of kind of explaining that yeah and we get a good sense that they've they've been through some shit together mm. and they really yeah that bond is strong um and i mean and and impressive that they managed to do that when spock was not in most of the season yeah, that's you know, or at true. least a good half of it, you know. And when he did first turn up, he was not okay. Did you think they were actually going to go? Oh, you think? Did I think Spock was going to go? No, like, did you think they were actually going to make it through the wormhole? Yeah, I, I did, I did. I um, didn't. I had. Oh, really? I realized that I had so much distrust for this whole franchise, like portion of the franchise. I was like, really? until they actually went through, and even then, I was like. Have they really gone? Like until the you know Well, they've done it in a way that means we can do whatever we want next season. You yeah, don't yeah, know what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe they end up in the past. And oh. then also like when Stamets copped the hit to the chest, I was like, I thought he was gonna die. Yeah, I thought he was gonna die. And then like I, I was said, like, no. The the death count was so low among the main characters. Yeah. And I guess this is a show where it's not it's not that kind of show, you know, it's not Game of Thrones. It's not it's not a um J.K. Rowling end of the series <laughs> novel, right? It's not like we're going to kill off all your favourite characters. But I did feel like to make this epic, you had to lose some people. And we only lost one. And it was a character who was never part of either crew yeah. in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I like Admiral Cornwell, mm. but I wasn't like, oh, I'm so sad that she's died. And it, and also, it really felt like I'm going to die so you don't have to. And that kind of felt a little bit like, oh, but we know he can't die anyway. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I don't what know. was with her cryptic, like, this isn't where your story ends? Like, how do you know that? I know. <laughs> what are you saying? And he's like, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Like, he's looking at her like, what this, the fuck? Everything has got double meanings now for him, poor thing. I do have to say, that whole bit, that whole storyline with the torpedo is ridiculous. Mm. Like, why didn't you just make more of the important bits of the ship out of whatever that blast door is made out of? Like, mm. that is. That is, it's like when, they, it's like the joke Why that's on Red Dwarf. You couldn't like pull it and roll under the door? Like. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. Cause like it didn't, I mean. Like surely Pike could have helped it her. It closed fast, but not that fast. Yeah. Like he'd at least have a go. <laughs> like even if you lost a couple of legs, it's better than getting blown up into that's space, not- right? <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, it's not like she's going to go back for a hat or something, but um, I don't know. Like re- get one of those robot repair drones in there. It's got arms. It could pull the thing. Right. I don't know. I thought there was a lot of other solutions. It felt a bit contrived. Yeah, um, like someone's got to die. But seriously, one blast door protects all that side. Spike stands on the other side of that door when it goes off and he's fine. And the right. whole mid- front of the ship gets blown up. And I'm like, there's no other things made out of whatever that blast door's made out of on any of that part of the ship. This is ridiculous. Right. So, I thought that was a weird solution and I was not... Yeah, it just felt, it just, it, I got back into it. Emotionally, it was fine. Emotionally, it made sense. I was on board, but just from a logical point of view, I was just like, this is nonsense. This is, this, there's a joke in Red Dwarf about this situation where they're like, why don't they just make the whole spacecraft out of the thing the black box is made out of? Uh, and um, yeah, I don't know. I realized that I pretty much spent the whole episode, like I was just waiting for, to see if they went. Because I didn't trust that it was going to happen. And there were so many times at that point where I was just like going to fast forward to the end to see whether it <laughs> happened or not. And then I was going to be Carla. able to watch the episode. I am I am shocked by this. So dirty. Wow. But um, yeah, I'm pumped 
did Giorgio went with them, so I don't know what happens there. Well, she's got yeah, because she's got to get back somehow. Well, we know she's going to be in a Section Thirty One show, but well, do we really? Like they're well, saying we- that there's a Section Thirty One show, and they're like putting pictures of her all around. But and she's supposed to be the star. Oh, so they and yeah. the captain, right? Right. So there's some storyline that's going to well, happen yeah, there. Yeah, and Tyler, well, he was his rank is commander, but I'm not sure if he's been made captain. Uh, well, they kind of they put him in charge. Yeah, but I, I they when don't they have any ships gonna, anymore. When they're going to say we're going to make it official, oh yeah, that's right. They blow up all their ships. Yeah, because that was the whole Section Thirty One well, fleet. Well, I think I read that that's sort of like oh, yeah, that's the article that you sent me where like they're going to make make it underground they're going to explain they're going to bridge that gap between what mm. section 31 was now to the underground organization that it becomes by deep, um, space, deep nine. space nine yeah. yeah which makes sense i mean here it is very much like an official black ops wing of mm. starfleet whereas mm. later on it's like starfleet doesn't even know what they're doing yeah and i think that, i mean and look there's a hundred years of 110 years or so of time for that to happen in so that's fine that's not i don't see that as a problem and I think that could be quite interesting how they show that evolution, depending on... I mean, we also don't know exactly when the Section 31 show is set. That's true. We don't know much about it yet. Mm. So, it could be set in the Discovery era. Maybe it's set 50 years later. We don't mm. know. It could mm. be set any time. It'd be mm. nice if they set it 50 years later because they probably, just like uh, in that same article, which we'll link to in the show notes, um, Kurtzman was talking about how you know, now they've freed themselves from the constraints of, of the canon that they were enmeshed in. Mm. They don't want that for the Section 31 show. I mean, that's even worse for that show because they're operating, trying to operate on the fringes and stuff. Mm. Yeah. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what that what happens with that and, and how they get Giorgio back for, the, for that show. But if the red – I mean, if the angel suit could do se- If they get seven, it working jumps, properly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they could go to – because Mama, Mama Bird's obviously got it working at full capacity from yeah. the future. Yeah. So, she has the ability. She can be wherever she wants. They just need another time crystal. They could go back to Boreth. I mean, but then this one hasn't blown up yet, so we don't know what's happening with it. And that's the other thing. I was like, if they're in the future, <laughs> yeah. why would she set this, the last Red Burst three months? Like, why would she make them wait? Make him wait for three months. Yeah, they've got a time machine. They could. It, she could have just done it like then. And how could she guarantee she could do it anyway? Because the suit's not supposed to work. So yeah, there's a lot of questions. Yeah, and maybe some of those are like things they'll answer. But I feel like if you're going to jump 950 years in the future to escape canon, you don't even want the canon left behind by the previous season of the same show, really. Yeah. You want to free yourself from that. Well, but I maybe think it'll taken... just, it won't even be explained. That's it. It's over. Well, I hope that they do, just because there's a lot of baggage that is there. I think for the people left behind, they're all like, clearly it all makes sense to them and they're not worried about it, but they don't know everything that happened. Mm. So, I think it's for, it's for us, the viewers, particularly people like me who like continuity and <laughs> get enmeshed in it. I mean, it, and look, and I enjoy it. So, figuring, figuring this out could be fun. And if they give us even some hints in the next season, I will be happy to try and stitch those things together. But, yeah, I think they have left a few things. I'm also, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a few other questions too. Well, um, shoot, because I don't have much more for this except I've got one note that says Crabman's head is Huge. It is huge. <laughs> we saw it in profile. Jesus Christ. I love the split screen. Oh, that was great. The three-way split screen. Uh, yeah. It just made me yearn for more of it. Yeah. So, hopefully, there's more of that in the new season. Now, I also have a question about this, uh, about what we learn about control in this episode. Mm. Because they talk about the fact that all of the ships are being coordinated from one place. And you're like, okay, great. That. Kind of makes sense, yeah. But also that Leland? makes. But then why would you do that? It's yeah, it is Leland. But that doesn't make that's. A, I and I, I had some questions about that, and I've retconned it myself. Not retconned it. I've I've continuity explained it myself. I have a head cannon for why this makes sense. Because if you are a super advanced AI who can control multiple starships at once, you wouldn't put yourself in one place and make yourself vulnerable. You'd distribute yourself across all the ships. You'd make copies of yourself or you'd have bits of yourself here and there. You wouldn't exist in a single physical location where you could be blown up. You'd have backups upon backups and you'd be transmitting yourself across places. But then I thought, well, if it's going to be Leland... I mean, yeah, for narrative purposes, we need a face for the enemy. And Leland is a great face because mm. he's so punchable. But um, <laughs> not the actor. The actor's delightful. <laughs> but, you know, 
because he's doing evil so well. Of course, yeah. Although I think it's quite mean how they keep calling him Leland. Like, there's that great bit where Saru says, now this is going to look like a human, but it's not a human. And I'm like, yeah, you tell him Saru. But then they just call him Leland as if he's the same person. And yeah. Like, he doesn't exist anymore. He's just a body being controlled by nanotechnology. But I, I guess what I came up to was that control is so advanced that it can't live in the computers on the ships. It can only live in the advanced nanotechnology um, and control the ships from there. Hmm. So, it's got like a subroutine that's controlling all the ships, but... Its its actual consciousness is too advanced to live in those computers. It can only exist in the in the human brain, augmented by nanotechnology, um, since it's had to escape from wherever it was before. So, I don't know. But then it existed in multiple places because we know that it can do that because it did it with that other guy. Well, I think like as it evolves, it gets bigger. You I know guess what so. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And they it killed it because it was a conscious being. I mean, it was evil and was going to kill everybody. And I, I guess it, it makes sense that it was Giorgio that did it, because although Nan was bang up for it, yeah, she was she was ready. I liked that they teamed up. That was cool. Yeah, 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 and they had that epic fight in the corridor, dude. That was crazy. It was awesome. We're gonna come back to that in short chats. I got something okay. I want to tell you about. I don't have anything else for this. Do you want to go to short chats or do you have anything else? Uh, I got a few other things. Do we really believe that Discovery is going to be kept a secret? Like there were a lot of people at that battle, and not all of them are Starfleet crew like the Klingons know about it the um, Kelpians know about it Poe knows about it Klingons don't give a shit oh and the Klingons know about do the Klingons know about Tyler he's on the fucking bridge of their ship what the fuck we got told that would bring the whole empire down and like the D7's coming didn't get to see it no didn't get to see it I guess it that was mean and and I was so confused about how like how evenly matched up that was because it's like we've got two much bigger starships and we've got this fleet of like 200 like little repair craft and shuttles that we've equipped with phases and shit. And you've got 30 medium sized ships plus your hundreds of, you know, automated drone fighter things, which were cool. Hmm. But I'm like, also, aren't the Section 31 ships equipped with all super advanced technology that the rest of Starfleet doesn't have, like cloaking devices and super advanced weaponry and shit like that? Like, surely they should just be able to blow the shit out of them. But they don't. And they, they only launch one photon torpedo the whole time and it doesn't go off immediately. I'm like, how advanced is this technology? Mm. So, I think that that was a bit weird and I think it would have been fine except they called attention to it by having the photon torpedo be such a big plot point. I'm not sure Section 31 is armed to the teeth though. I think they're supposed to be nimble. Small and nimble. Yes, you that know. makes sense. Yeah. And they're not supposed to be drawing attention to themselves with going into battle or having weapons or anything like that. So, that kind of made sense to me. Okay. Yeah, I buy that. I buy that. But, I mean, they should have had at least – I guess I guess the other mitigating circumstances, they don't want to destroy Discovery. So, they can't, like, blow up the Enterprise so badly that it destroys Discovery mm-hmm. and wrecks the data on it. But also, you know what else I want to know? Where was the sphere data in all of this? Like, it was it was protecting itself when it was on Discovery by itself. Why is it not helping while they're in this pitched battle? Well, didn't Giorgio say that she transferred it to that thing that she was holding in her hand? Yeah, I don't know if that's true, though, because would it let itself be transferred? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. That was what I thought. That was what I thought. It does want to be copied. Because it wasn't on the computer. That's why Leland was Leland was trying to find it and it wasn't there. Yeah, it doesn't seem to care who has it as long as it exists. Yeah. Like that's which makes sense. That was the sphere's motivation. I, yeah. I want my knowledge to live on after me. So I guess it doesn't care who copies it where as long as it's not being deleted. Oh or no, corrupted. that thing was a transmitter. So Giorgio was like, I've transmitted it somewhere. Yeah. And then Leland's like, Oh, you put it in the spore drive because that's the thing you want to protect the most or some shit. I don't yeah. know. So, she's transmitted it somewhere. Who knows? Oh, now this, this, this directive from Starfleet, you can't talk about this. My biggest question about that, like, they're getting interviewed and it's like, well, none of this shit that they've been doing exists on any logs anywhere. Like, mm. that's fucked up. Yeah, like, it's the future. Like, surely the computers are recording everything that happens. Like- Aren't they checking in? Aren't they, like... Do you know what I mean? Well, they weren't checking in because their communications were jammed, which is why they didn't get any backup but any from Starfleet. Of it, about the red burst, about the angel. I guess they didn't. They they just didn't know that they were building the suit. Yeah, well, they probably didn't report that because they didn't want or the mission to get the time crystal or anything want, like that. Yeah, well, they didn't want Control to know that they were doing it. Ah, uh, yeah, because Control point. didn't know. Yeah, like good they point. didn't. They didn't specifically. Yeah, they went after Michael, but they didn't make Michael a priority because so they I don't think they knew what the dark. plan was. Yeah, I think they did, yeah. 
Which makes sense. Yeah. Because who knows how Control is maybe listening in. Mm. So. Well, not fully dark because Admiral Cornwall was on board. So she obviously knows what's going on with her armada. Yeah, but they couldn't communicate with anybody else. So they only had. And now she's dead. So. Yeah, they did say at some point they only had ship to ship communications. They couldn't Mm. contact Starfleet. So, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Now it's time for Rediscovery Short Chats, where we talk news, trivia, and anything related to Discovery, and also any questions you have for us. You can still follow our socials and get in touch, even though this is pretty much our last episode. Captain, uh, we, we got a few questions and comments about the ending of the series, as you would expect. Sure. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we got a comment from Adam Ford. Uh, long email, but... Basically, the question was, do you think a Star Trek TV show can work well within a novel in chapters format, which is like the new TV format, or is the Star Trek concept too closely associated with the previous story-by-story format that the previous six series observed? It's a good question. I've actually been thinking about this a lot Mm. because one one anachronism that it has is that because it's on CBS, it's cut for commercials, and I really noticed that. Mm. Yeah, because it's like got four acts each episode and there's like a fade to there's black a cliffhanger, every time. There's a cliffhanger each, you know, each cut, mm. um, which I just find so antiquated and hilarious. Does that mean that there's ads on CBS yeah, All Access? Yeah. Oh, not on All Access, I don't think. Do they also broadcast they it broadcast on actual CBS? It. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. What have you been thinking about the episodic sort of story of the week format? Well, it's funny because I didn't notice it until you pointed it out quite early on. Oh, right. I, d- I just feel like that format would be odd now. And also, like, back when it was, like, a 22-season, episode season commission, um, you know, you would get your big blockbuster episodes, and then you'd get a whole bunch of shit in there as well because they had no budget. You know, sometimes it was creative and it was really interesting. A lot of the time it was, like, quite bizarre and terrible. And it's really hard to pump out 22 quality <laughs> yeah. scripts a year, especially, even with a writer's room. Especially sci-fi, you yeah. know, like that requ- especially back then required quite significant investment in terms of practical effects or digital effects. Mm. So now I'm just like, I love that the episodes are as long as they go for. And, you know, there's never one set episode length and, you know, we have a shorter season, but the quality is a lot higher. Mm. But I do kind of miss a bit of the cheesiness. What about you? <laughs> Well, I mean, I think you can have it a bit both ways. I think we I th- did have that last season with some of the standalones. We did a little bit. I mean, they did tie back in, but I, but I think you had that one. You had the really strong arc at the end of the sort of well towards the end of the mirror universe. So I think you had like smaller arcs in the first season, but you didn't have a lot of standalone episodes. It was a bit more of a hybrid show. Like I think if you look at, no one will be surprised when I mention Doctor Who. If you look at Doctor Who. Now, like the modern Doctor Who is a kind of hybrid model, some seasons more so than others. There's still very definitely a separate adventure of the week, but then there's also a bit of a meta narrative over the top. Mm. And you get like episodes that really do stand alone, but the character development and little bits of the episode will push it along. And so I think you can hybridize it, you can do a bit of both. And maybe, I mean, if they're stuck in the future and they can go anywhere and see anything, maybe that's what season three will be like. Maybe they will have crazy adventures because they're essentially on a five-year mission in the future. Mm. I do miss it. I think, you know, it it gives different writers opportunities to develop characters in, you know, more linear ways, more lateral ways, I should say. Um, The Adventure of the Week was also, like, less stressful. Like, I feel like this, you know, full novelization thing is, like, really super stressful. Mm. Uh, I think you can still have cliffhangers in that and still sort of keep people guessing and wanting to see it each week. But I do, mainly I miss it from the character development because I felt like those Adventures of the Week really did significant, as I said, lateral development of the characters. So I miss that. It's easier to focus on different characters each week too. Yeah, and give them a different thing to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, Just a couple more comments from Lachlan Kingsford. So, did that look like 2001 A Space Odyssey to you? (laughs) When she's going through the wormhole. Whoa. Yeah, it was cool. Just the sparks, like, flying out of the empty void. It was cool, yeah, yeah. And also, like, you know, the slice of time. Oh, yeah. Spinning around. So fucking great. I also thought, actually, when Discovery went through the wormhole, that also that also seemed a bit two thousand and one, like with all the colours and people being blurred. It's a little oh, bit yeah. Star Trek the motion picture as well, actually. You could easily just put this two thousand and one Space Odyssey score over the top of that. Surely someone's <laughs> done that. 
Going to have to find that on the internet. That's it. I just want to do a correction. Don't know if Reno's leaving or not. I'm on some kind of psychedelic drugs. I'm sure I read it somewhere, but I could not confirm that. So I really hope that she's staying because she's on Discovery. Looks like she's being positioned to have more of a presence next season. So Yeah. While Stamets is, you know, in a coma. Uh, that was a bit weird how the one love scene they get is like Hugh going, Shh, it's okay, Paul. I'm putting you in a coma. <laughs> Go to sleep now. <laughs> Go to sleep. Um, yeah. I did that. I cried though. Shh. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I cried. I cried. I was so happy. It felt, it felt really genuine. It and, did. And I'm like, okay, great. I'm good. Let's put, let us, ev- let everyone put the past behind us. Yeah. Yeah. I think my, my misgivings about how they did that progression of their relationship in little bits were really overcome by how much both actors, but particularly Hugh's actor really just sold it and gave it an emotional reality that I was just like, I'm so happy. Yeah. But it's so sad that you're back together and he's all going to, he's not dead, but he's not well, Yeah, but I'm going to look after you. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I I cried. It was great. It was great. Now I had a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. I mentioned earlier that I wanted to talk more about that cool fight sequence in the corridor. This totally reminded me of the Fred Astaire dance sequence from the film Royal Wedding. Oh. Have you seen this color? This, no. this is very famous. He's dancing in a house and he dances up the wall and onto the ceiling. Oh. And they do it by having a camera mounted on the floor, but the whole set revolved. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what they did. With this, um, we'll post a link to it in the show notes. There's a few Michelle Gondry film clips back in the day that did it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Um, but this, I think this Fred Astaire one was like the first. Oh, of course, big one. It's from the I think it's from the 50s sometime. It would have been psychedelic. It was. It's pretty cool. I really dug that. Um, and it was just yeah, how great to see that done as a fight sequence. Now I got another. Here's something else for short chats, Carla. What does this ending mean for Zora? Yeah, so... Where is she? There's a lot of talk on interwebs. Yeah, tell me. That even Zora could be a thousand years in the future from that point. So, she could be 2,000 years in the future. Correct. Wow. Yeah. And then there's still human beings, like, with tattoos having wars. That's a bit sad for them. Well, you know, stupid is as stupid does. (laughs) (laughs) And then they, they go back in time. Well, the The other possibility I thought of was that Maybe Giorgio figures out a way to get back to her time using Discovery, at leaving, you know, the Discovery crew without Discovery, but then leaves it somewhere where they can find it and tells it to stay there for mm. a thousand years so that it's there when they need it. So, they can just get it back again. Yeah, so, that's a good one. So, I, I don't know if that's- Also, it, another possibility is is that Zora is already there and she can make herself known. Oh, Yeah. In the yeah. new season. Yeah, which would be another point in favour of her being an evolution of the sphere data. Who knows? I think they'll be very... If, if she does show up in the next season, I think the crew will be very wary of her. <laughs> they have yeah. not had a good time with artificial intelligence. <laughs> they'll be like, get away from us. Uh, now, there's so many other Star Trek things happening, Carla. I am my- not up to date on any of it. Well, give, just give the, me some info. Just the TV shows, like, but we know so little about them. We know there's like at least four other shows going on. It's crazy. So, we've got Section 31 show, which we don't know what's happening with it. Um, hopefully, Tyler is in it. I do want to say that because he's been left behind and I love him. I oh want him God. to stick around. So, I hope that he's in the Section 31 show. It would make it would be weird if he wasn't. Um, we've got the Picard show. We know about that. We've got Lower Decks, the animated comedy show about the low-ranking um, folks on a starship. Um, we've got uh, – th- there's been talk of a Starfleet Academy show. What? About younger Starfleet people. Uh, being made by a couple of people who were involved with some teenage shows. Like, I forget which one. I think there might have been producers on the OC or something. So, there's that, which would be a bit like Wesley Crush's school days. Is this like geared to a younger audience kind of thing? A teen audience, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, but I, I haven't seen I much about that. I'd watch the shit out of that. Seen, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've only seen it mentioned a couple of times. But if it hits the same spot as something like Riverdale or Sabrina, like, but with sci-fi instead of fantasy, I think that could be really awesome. And- now, of course, there's heaps of talk about a spin-off with Pike and the Enterprise crew. And but is it real talk or is it just well, internet chatter? I mean, Kurtzman said he's heard the fans, that they're keen for it. I I personally am in two minds about it. I'm like, 
We don't need no, that. we have enough. It would be fun. I mean, I certainly like Spock and Number One and Pike. I think they're all great characters played by great actors doing a great job. But I don't – I would be worried that, you know, it would be detrimental to whatever Discovery is doing. Although now that Discovery is like off in the far future, they'd be so separate. Mm. And you'd have this one show that was like – we're playing in the Cannon Sand Pit and the other show that's like, we've gone off to do something fucking crazy. I don't know. I'm in two minds about it. I don't think we need it. I do want to see Anson Mountain more stuff, but it doesn't have to be Star Trek. Mm. Uh, I'd love to see Rebecca Romain, as you have taught me it's pronounced, not Romjan, because I've been misreading it all these years. So I'm very sorry, Rebecca, if you listen to this show. <laughs> uh, I'm also sorry for calling you by your first name. We're not on first name terms. You just seem really cool. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, I just there's heaps of Star Trek stuff happening, but we have no dates for any of this other stuff starting, so we don't know when it's going to happen. It's fucking cool. Like I'm into it. Yeah, and I love the breadth of it. I've got serious side eye on a new Enterprise show. Like they've struggled so hard with Discovery. I think they've learned a lot of lessons that they'll be able to kind of just easily transfer onto a new spinoff. But in terms of getting the appropriate, you know, writers' room, showrunners, stuff like that, I think they would really struggle to get that magical combination that if they do this as a pre and a pre, like the fans would be feral. And I think that I just don't see that really kind of happening anytime soon. You mean you don't think they want it? Oh no, they would just be so all over combing it. Like look at what happened with this. Like this was just a shit show. You know what I mean? In terms of fan reaction. But I think if you're going to put something that's like, the, which is what is the gap of the next eight years or whatever in the Enterprise's timeline as a show. Like, it's just going to have a level of scrutiny that, on the one hand, I'm sure they have a lot of canon there that they can just, it'd be paid by numbers, but at the same time, anything that's slightly deviated from that or, you know what I mean? Like, it would just... Well, I mean, the thing is they've already, there's not that much talk about what happens to the Enterprise and Pike before you know, actual Star Trek, the original series. And they, they've, they already covered all the stuff we know about. Because why they don't take the comic book stuff for anything like that. None, none of that's considered canon. Yeah. Yeah. And I also, even if it was, I think that the TV show producers would be well advised to ignore it when they're doing their own thing and just do what's best for the TV show. Yeah. Because you can't keep up with all that stuff. Um, and how much money do they have as well? Like well, really yeah. to do it well. That's you know a lot I mean? of shows, but yeah. I mean that's also a point in the favor of maybe they're thinking about it because why else would you build this? I mean that the Enterprise Bridge is not just a refit of the Discovery Bridge. It's a pretty cool separate set, and it is only one set though. I like- guess so. Yeah, and the corridors could be just a redress of the mm. Discovery ones. So who knows? I don't think they need to do it. I think if they do do it, I'll certainly watch it because it'll probably be cool. Yeah. But but yeah, I think. Who knows? I'm also at Star Trek Overload a little bit because I've been watching Enterprise in tandem with this. Yeah, me too. And I'm just like, with all the new shows, yeah, are we going to be at saturation point? Well, I don't have not- much more time to watch TV beyond that if I look <laughs> at that. <laughs> I'm not watching that much else at the moment. So, I mean, I've finished season four of Gotham and season five is not on the streaming services yet. Most of the shows that I really care about are not making new seasons at the moment. So, okay. so I don't know. Um, the other thing I did want to ask is how wise is this to put Discovery a thousand years in the future? How different does it need to be for them to fulfill this promise of we're going a thousand years in the future, cannons behind us? You know, what's going to, how can they possibly live up to that? I'm a bit worried about it. Well, I don't know. Look, every Star Trek show has a primary and alien enemy. Sure. And a general overarching mission or, Mm. you know, issue. Uh, the only thing that really differentiates to me all the Star Trek shows is the time that it's set because of the technology that they have available to it. The aliens are different. The way that it, the aliens operate are different, but all of those storylines pretty much follow the same trajectory. The only thing that's really cool and the thing that keeps you, like, hooked is the different kinds of technology that they have. Right. So that's where I think that this... That's where the moneymaker's going to be in this new show right. is the imagining of the future at that point in time. We've seen little glimpses of it in Voyager. We had a couple of episodes that were set a, th- a thousand years in the future. Oh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're disaster that. ones. but um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, it's all technology-based okay. and caring about the 
crew. Yeah, that's so a we big already part care of it. about the crew. They've got that in their favor for sure. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. What do you think? No. Well, I mean, Discovery has its technology already, and what they're going to be coping with is being a thousand years behind mm. everybody else who's in the future, and also they've got to paint. I mean, Doctor Who had this problem as well, where they put when they did the future in the modern series, they went like five billion years in the future. And five billion years in the future looks like retro futuristic flying cars. Like, it's kind of like a bit bullshit, to be honest. Mm. I'm like, you went five billion years in the future and the best you could imagine was some aliens who look kind of cool, but are basically humanoid aliens and some flying cars. Is that is that it? Is that what you got? Like, you, why, why go that far in the future if you're not going to try and come up with something, like, mind-blowingly different? Mm. Like, and, and I, I'm, I'm a little worried about that. I mean, look, who knows what they're going to do? Maybe it will just be really awesome and I'm being pessimistic for no reason. But I think I'm I'm just worried that they've set themselves up to do something super yeah, different and super cool and there's no way that they're going to be able to realise it. But they could – that might surprise me. But that was the best part it. about Voyager. Yeah. Was, you know, hollow novels, the Doctor. Yeah. And sometimes it's like it's just that twist on what – the technology that we already have, you know, but even still, of all the Star Treks that we have, they're all within a couple of hundred years of each other, mm. you know, the, t- the the main timeline, you know, so this is so far beyond that. I hear your um, yeah, your anxiety. They still have pre-original series level technology, even if it now looks like what we would imagine it should look like. But I'm also saying to you is that Star Trek is inherently formulaic. Yeah, okay, sure. So- <laughs> sure. <laughs> I shouldn't expect, like, <laughs> suddenly it's going to be an anthology show or something. Yeah. Do you think they're going to bring back short treks? I don't know. Who knows about anything? Mm. Yeah. Crazy. And I think that really goes back to the, the previous questioner's question, which is, you know, like, they're really struggling to imagine Star Trek now. Like, the last time we had a season show was, I think, the last season of Enterprise was 2005. Yeah, it was really. That's yeah. before Internet 2.0. Right, yeah. so like, you you went from having essentially the same formula to for most of the except for the original season for most of the Star Trek that we know, mm. and now I think we have seen those teething problems in understanding how it fits into the the digital landscape now. So mm. maybe this is their opportunity to really bring their A game in a way that's fresh. Yeah. You know? Well, look, whatever happens, I'm bang up for it. I'm excited, and I I can't believe we have to wait like a year. Yeah, well, who knows? I think Picard is due out next year. So, yeah, we definitely don't have anything this year. No, no. But what about us, Ben? When's our next episode going to be? Well, this is a good question because I'm sure (laughs) you listening want to know what's the future of rediscovery. We haven't gone a thousand years into the future, (laughs) but we probably are going to go a little bit into the future. We're not going to do an episode next week, but we do want to do a wrap up, don't we? Yeah. We might wait a couple of weeks just so I actually want to either rewatch the whole season again or listen to all, all of our episodes or both mm. um, before we do a wrap up. So maybe three weeks or something. But I- keep us in your podcast feed is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. We're not totally disappearing, but we are going to have a break, certainly from having weekly episodes. And we'll figure out what, what we'll be doing next. Because um, we've got a few other things on, don't we, Carla? We should probably <laughs> tell people about those. Oh, yeah, we can plug them. Yeah. What, are we, what do you want to talk about first, IntiPod first? Let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we're having an independent podcasting festival in July. Yeah. Happening. The first one in Australia. It's going to happen in Melbourne. We're going to be celebrating the art and craft of making independent podcasts. Um, we've already been talking to potential guests. We're going to be crowdfunding it. We don't have any source of external funding. So, watch out for that. Um, we'll post about it on the social media. And if you can't come to Melbourne, if you're too far away or if, if you're busy that weekend, there will be an opportunity for you to support the festival and get access to audio of the proceedings there. So, yeah, we're real excited about that. We've been working real hard on that for months now. For a long time. Um, and we still got a few months to go. Yeah. But that's pretty good. But if you want to hear our voices on a regular basis, you still can. Carly, you've still got podcasts going. Oh, well, I have one that's basically completed. It's about this filmmaker, Steven Soderbergh. So it's called Club Soderbergh. So we've we've covered all of his films to date, except for High Flying Bird. So basically, we'll put out an episode every time he makes a new film. But essentially, we're you, you know you've finished with the back catalog. Yeah, we finished with the back catalog. So we will be doing we'll be doing that live at Indie Podfest. Oh, so there yes. you go, too far. Yeah, come along. And I have a theatre 
slash performing arts criticism podcast, which is very different to this. But if you like going to the theatre and you like my opinions, then perhaps you'll also like my other show, Across the Aisle. Yeah, it is a great podcast. I enjoy it. Oh, thanks, Ben. Yeah. Well, you do a good job. You and Philip, I feel like I'm there in the theatre with you. Oh, that's beautiful. That's what we want. Yeah. And what about you, Pratt Chat? Yeah, Pratt Chat is still going. So, if you've not listened to it, that's my monthly Terry Pratchett Book Club podcast. Uh, We are reading every single Terry Pratchett book, a bit like Club Soderbergh. We're covering his oeuvre, his, not his oeuvre, we're covering his canon. Yes. Uh, But he did write an awful lot of books. (laughs) So, it's going to take us about six and a half years to do them all. We've only been going for about 18 months. So, we still got about another five years to go. Uh, And we do some bonus episodes. We recently recorded our first live episode at a convention here in Melbourne. Um, We'll be doing the next Australian Discworld convention in Sydney in 2021. (laughs) So, that'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, It was a great time. So, there's that. That's, That's coming out. I have a new podcast uh, because my audio drama, Night Terrace, uh, is now being broadcast on the BBC, on the radio. Oh, my God, so fancy. So, if you want to listen to that, you can. It's uh, it's being broadcast weekly on Sundays at 6 p.m. UK time, and you can look it up on the BBC website. Uh, it's being broadcast on BBC Radio 4 Extra, which is the digital spinoff of Radio 4. Um, it just means that you're so cool. Well... Isn't that what the kids say these days? I don't know. You're so extra. Is the... <laughs> I thought that meant fancy. Does that mean not mean fancy? Uh, Glamorous? I think it means like... um, You put an extra... Bombastic. Oh, yeah. Or like amazing. I guess that could be me. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, you can listen to that on their their site. You have to wait for it to come out each week. So, it's a bit like Discovery. (laughs) And it is about time travel and it's a a comedy show. It's kind of... uh, We always say it's a bit like um, sort of early Doctor Who if the Doctor was a cranky Australian woman played by Susan from Neighbours. (laughs) Um, but it's good fun. And we've done a new podcast to go along as a companion to it. So it's I love kinda, that you're recapping your own podcast well, weekly. It's more like Benjamin. It's more like After Trek <laughs> or um or the bridge uh what's what's the new I one? I don't called? know what it's called. The bridge thing. You can't find it. But the podcast is called On the Terrace. Are we playing anything else? What else can we tell you about? I think that's it for now. That's enough. This is a good this is a long episode. That's it's okay. Gonna be, it's gonna be a fun time to end the yeah. The podcast. But otherwise, we will be back in your ears sometime in the next month doing a recap of our entire experience of doing this and the season, and we'll have more information for you at that point. Yeah. Uh, so until we see you next, live long and prosper. And don't get sucked into a wormhole. <laughs> You've been listening to Rediscovery. You'll find links to all the creatives involved on our website, rediscoverypodcast.com. We'd love to connect with you. Find us on Twitter and Facebook as Rediscovery Pod. Rediscovery is brought to you by Splendid Chaps Productions. Find more entertainment for your ears at splendidchaps.com.